Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Uh, officially, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another uh, SACPA event. Um, just a reminder before we get started to turn your cell phones off. Just check that. Um, my name is Mike Spencer. I'm with the Geomatic Attic. And the, if you don't know the Geomatic Attic, we're um, a live music venue and we're a promoter of live music and uh, arts in the community. And we're also big supporters of community and listener-supported radio as well. So I think that's why we were chosen today. Um, this session today will be recorded, so that's a reminder to you. I uh, also want to remind everybody that um, today's lunch will be $11. And uh, if you can just arrange to, before the lunch is served, to have uh, your money put in the center of the table, and that will be collected um, before lunch is served. And if somebody can just make sure there's enough money in the pot, that would be fantastic. Um, SACPA uh, is a volunteer nonprofit organization in its 48th season, and contributions of members and session attendees help cover costs. We encourage memberships, so please see SACPA's admin manager, uh, Annelise Van Oers, who is just over here to my right. Um, I'd like to thank a few people, and maybe just hold your applause until I just go through them. Uh, I'd like to thank the UofL for the support and distribution of notices. Country Kitchen Catering for the great lunches. Shaw TV Channel 9 for broadcasting the session several times weekly, including nightly at 7 p.m. also like to thank uh, CKXU Radio, 88.3 FM Live, and the Lethbridge Herald as well for being the uh, media covering folks, as well as others as well. So a big hand for all of those folks. A lot of you have been here before, so you know how the format works, but I'll just r uh, remind you again that uh, starting at noon, and we'll work our way through till 1.30, and it's broken down into kind of uh, equal third parts. So the presentation uh, will occur before lunch, and that'll end at uh, around 12.30. Then we'll have a half-hour lunch session, and then there'll be opportunity for questions between 1 o'clock and 1.30. So uh, now that we've gone through those, that little checklist, um, I'd like to introduce uh, our topic for today. And our topic is, what are the benefits of community radio and independent media? First of all, I'll start by um, just do a quick little bio of CKXU. CKXU actually began in 1972 as CKUL at the University of Lethbridge. And it was basically managed by the University of Lethbridge Students' Union. Turning the clock forward to 2003, the CRTC approved the application to operate a new English-language community-based campus FM radio station in Lethbridge. CKUL's call letters were changed to CKXU, and on April 8, 2004, the station began to broadcast at 88.3 FM to the city of Lethbridge and the surrounding area from a 125-watt transmitter located on top of the Students' Union building at the University of Lethbridge. CKXU 88.3 FM now broadcasts for more than 168 hours per week, year-round, with a volunteer corps of over 100 members. The importance of community radio and independent media will be discussed in the context of corporate mass media 
and social media competition, as well as issues regarding the need for grassroots funding to operate. The two gentlemen that are going to have this discussion today are with CKXU Radio. First is Benjamin Maine, and uh, I didn't make this up, but I'm going to read this bio anyway. I think you'll like it. Benjamin Maine is an enigma wrapped in a tortilla and served with a side of guacamole. He started with CKXU as a founding member of the Colbacks Dispatch, a radio collective focused on social justice and human rights issues. This is his second year as CKXU's program director, where he trains new GJs, manages the program schedule, and with the help of our wonderful technical director, oversees live broadcasts for the station. So a big hand for Benjamin Maine. Our second uh, panelist today is uh, Aaron Trozo. Aaron is, is like Jean-Luc Picard and Ned Stark. If <laughs> if Aaron Trozo is what it would be like if Jean-Luc Picard and Ned Stark had a baby, and that baby was raised to preside over a community radio station. <laughs> As I said, I didn't make these up. He's a collaborative artist and has worked in a variety of media, for example, music, video, and photography and was CKXU's benevolent overlord uh, as program director until 2011. Now, and, or since that time, he is now the station manager. He's, trained the, he's transformed the station from a ragtag bunch of hooligans into the well-oiled machine that it is today. So a big hand for Aaron Trozo. And without further ado, I invite our, our friends Benjamin and Aaron to the podium. Well, thanks for coming out, folks. So normally, as uh, Mike mentioned in the bios there, uh, I would be at the station managing the live broadcast for this event, which is live broadcast on CKXU every week. So Aaron and I decided, since we were speaking this week, that we'd kind of reverse things and we would do a radio presentation live rather than live broadcasting a speaking thing. So you're going to hear some radio clips and, and whatnot throughout the course of today's presentation. Uh, yeah, so I'm Benjamin Main, Program Director, and this is? My name is Aaron Trozo. Uh, I'm Station Manager at CKXU. Um, I've been involved with CKXU for uh, about 10 years now, a little more than 10 years actually. I, uh, I came in 2002 uh, to university, to the University of Lethbridge, and uh, I think uh, the gravitation to CKXU was pretty natural for me because I was so interested in music, so interested in alternative media, all those kinds of things, and um, was young and immature and was quickly banished from the society uh, because I was misbehaving on air. So I sometimes joke that uh, me being the station manager of CKXU is punishment for all those uh, all that silliness initially in my uh, early radio career. So anyway, here I am nonetheless, and, uh, and we're going to tell you a little bit about uh, what we do as a radio station in Lethbridge and kind of the climate of uh, commercial radio, commercial media as it's uh, consumed by the public and our, our role in that, I think. And, sorry, and as the, the role of stations like us across Canada. So... Um as you folks may know or, or have an idea, the media landscape uh, generally is becoming 
more homogenized uh, in this country in North America. And uh, generally what happens in commercial radio is that uh, large for-profit media companies own a bunch of little radio stations. And the programming across those radio stations, music content, news content, is uh, kind of regulated from, from the top down. Uh, we wanted to explain the way that campus and community radio is different. And the place that we thought would be a good place to start is with the CRTC. So if you don't know what the CRTC is or haven't heard of it, it's the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. And that's the federal body that um, licenses radio stations. They deal with all kinds of telecommunications, cell phones, policies like that. Um, and they have a specific mandate for campus community radio stations. So I just want to read from one small paragraph from the broadcasting regulatory policy on the topic of uh, campus community stations and what makes them different from commercial radio stations, which is the majority of, of what you hear in commercial media outlets. So it says, um, these stations distinguish uh, themselves by virtue of its place in the community served. A reflection of the community's needs and values and the requirements for volunteers in programming and other aspects of station operations. This helps ensure that the programming is different from that of commercial and public radio. The programming of campus and community radio should distinguish itself um, from that of the commercial and public radio sectors in both style and substance, offering programming that is rich in local information and reflection. This programming provided by campus and community radio should meet the needs and interests of communities served by these stations in ways that are not met by commercial radio stations and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, so the CBC. Um, so the mandate is pretty clear there that campus community radio stations have to ha are intended to have a local focus. So our station mandate is... Uh, it's to showcase, promote, and enhance uh, cultural diversity in southern Alberta. And some of the ways that we've done that is through engaging volunteers to produce their own content. So if there is a particular topic that is important to this community and we have volunteers, programmers that are interested in writing content, producing content about those topics, that's how our programming gets made. Rather than determining it from kind of like corporate headquarters or what have you, and then kind of passing that down to the individual nodule stations, the content at CKXU is created by the programmers. And we have some examples of this. Uh, we're going to start, we have three different excerpts here about this kind of community content. The first one is starting with an, uh, an issue that came to some students and faculty's attention with a particular incident uh, a few years back. And it's also a general concern. And the concern was about sexual violence on the University of Lethbridge campus. So with the Colbank Dispatch News Collective at the time, a group of students and uh, CKXU staff members um, faculty from the university, this documentary was created. And so we're just going to play an excerpt from that uh, so that you kind of have an idea what that was about. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it after. Mm -hmm. 
In the fall of 2012, concerns about the sexual safety and sexual assault education were raised by various communities on the UofL campus. In response to these concerns, Colbank's Dispatch compiled a documentary that features a number of UofL campus community members to better understand the health of gender equality on the University of Lethbridge campus. The Colbank's Dispatch interviewed Dr. Muriel Mello, one of the co-authors of the Safety First Report. Uh, there was, we addressed issues like uh, a culture of drinking that uh, existed within the student body and how that might create situations where people were uh, less uh, conscious of making good decisions about their own personal safety um, or communicating in a way that might be misunderstood. Colbank's Dispatch spoke to a few members of the University of Lethbridge campus community on their thoughts on how to affect positive change regarding gendered sexual violence. I'm Brenton Taylor, and I'm a student here at the U of L. Um, the goal I'd like to see in the future for uh, awareness on campus for sexual violence um, would be uh, more access to security, not just one spot on campus, but a couple um, on different ends, and then uh, to be less of a wait time for people to get to emergencies. In the future, I'd hope to see a little bit more emphasis, not only from the organizations on campus, but from the institution as well. Uh, they do a great job so far, but there's room for growth as with anything. The shift in the attitude towards sexual assault or sexual violence or these portrayals towards women needs to happen on a, a bigger scale, like society. Um, and the university should be a medium to do that. I'm Shannon. I'm a student here, second year. I would like to see more awareness about sexual violence on campus, um, more activities and student-based organizations to raise awareness and health prevention for future occurrences, um, more security, and just I'd like um, all women and men to feel safe on campus. <laughs> So you can see that uh, from that project, that was an example of a very um, community-specific topic to the University of Lethbridge community itself, so the students that we're engaged with. Now, um, being a campus and community station, we really try to bridge between um, a, a learning environment for students and also a platform for the community to create content as well. So. Focusing on the, the broader community in this region, uh, again, a couple years back, we got some, some funding from the National Campus Community Radio Association, which is the national body that um, basically is kind of like our, um, what would you call it? Like, yeah, like our, our union. Or our, uh, they, they sort of represent the, in the, the campus community sector at a federal level and as far as, you know, kind of lobbying for us. Uh, so we got this funding to actually do some documentaries about the residential school system. And uh, Lauren Crazy Bull produced this, and you can find, she's done two other documentaries since this, and you can find those all on truecontactvoices.com. Uh, but we're going to play an excerpt again from the uh, very first one, 
And this will kind of start to tie into the, you know, the cross-section between what's going on in the university campus and the, and the broader community. Have you ever heard of a residential school? Yes. Yes, I've heard of the residential schools. Yeah. No. Residential school? No, I haven't. I'm okay. a really small town. Can you explain your knowledge of it? It all dates way back to uh, John A. Macdonald putting the railway through Canada and uh, what to do with all of these Native American people that seem to trouble the whites. Back in the 1800s, they started taking kids from First Nations homes. Were put in schools by English government. I believe it was ran by Catholics in... Canada. Um, it was where uh, Aboriginal children were removed from their families and put into schools, usually far away and kind of scattered about, uh, in order to get the Indian out of them, as they said. I think that was actually in paperwork. Taking the kids from their parents and trying to assimilate European culture into that of the natives. First word that comes to mind is assimilation. Assimilated. Make them more white and assimilate them into the white culture. To assimilate them to a Western culture and uh, taken um, forcibly to schools where they were educated to be in white Christian values, so they weren't allowed to speak their own language or practice their own culture, and often there was sexual and physical abuse involved as well. Mistreated and things like that. Known for, I guess, mistreating ethnic minorities, especially uh, Aboriginals. And it included abuses and all sorts of atrocities. Being pulled away from your parents and you know, the way I look at it, it's like jail. Eh? Like going to jail, you can't see family. That's how I felt like when I was in here. But I think they got used to being in residence, and they got a taste of jail. A lot of the people that become involved in the criminal justice system do so because of problems with. Um, substance dependency, so they commit crimes while they're under the influence of substances. How those um, people have become involved in the criminal justice system, uh, many of those people either went to residential school themselves or they are the children of residential school survivors. It is not already decided. Sorry, we went a little bit into the next segment there. But uh, again, as you can see, this is the type of content that a campus community station focuses on. So what is relevant to the immediate community and, and the people involved with the station are all volunteers and all members of that community. So when they're developing the content, they're developing programming that directly affects them. And the last kind of news, documentary-oriented content that I wanted to share with you was something that um, was a buzz at SACPA, I know, and it was about the, uh, the fracking controversy that we had a couple years ago or a, a, a year and so ago, I can't remember, so 2013, I think it was. Um, and so we did, you know, special news coverage of that, and actually the NCRA, the uh, National Association I was talking about, we submitted this news coverage to them, and uh, the producer of it, her name was Kristen Hoffmeyer, who happened to be a German exchange student at the university, won a national award for it, so we were really proud of that. So that's the last 
thing I wanted to share. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the cultural kind of aspect and how we support local music and, and culture. It is not already decided. Um, in Alberta, these issues are determined by the Alberta Energy Regulator. And the Alberta Energy Regulator is peculiar in that it decides whether something is safe to go ahead, whether it's reasonable to go ahead, whether it's environmentally sound. And the, the company, Golden Key, has not actually made an application to the Alberta Energy Regulator yet. We are planning to apply. We, we purchased the, the minerals and the ultimate goal would be to make an application to the regulatory body. Uh, for the development, yes. There's no way to stop the application, but uh, the application does involve a public consultation phase, and that's the point at which our our group of citizens citizens will become very active in uh, testimonials and submitting of documents and making sure that every every opposition that any citizen of Lethbridge has to this project is on record with the regulator. Um, I'm opposed to it because it poisons the air, it poisons the water, and I don't believe in selling air and water, which are essential for life, for dollars, which you can't drink or breathe. I'm considering moving here, and (laughs) if this goes through, then it's seriously going to make me reconsider whether I'd want to move to the city of Lethbridge or not. Uh, I'm concerned for the future children and the future grandchildren and everybody that's living in Lethbridge, period, not only just the west side, because I believe it'll affect everyone. But we don't need it in the cities. That's that's what I don't agree with, because of kids. We don't need, they don't need that. I had clean air when I was little. They should have it too. It's not fair. Okay, um, yeah, some fine examples of uh, people who've been affiliated with CKXU who, uh, like Ben said, have had issues uh, that directly affect them and how they've kind of, uh, you know, taken those issues to heart and actually um, used CKXU as a soapbox to uh, bring those issues to the, uh, to the public, you know. Um, and, and make their voices heard, make the, uh, make the issues heard, and, um, you know, really start a rally point uh, for, for action and advocacy. And that's really something that, uh, you know, that's, that's right in the name of our mandate. Um, it's a public voice, and, uh, you know, that's something that we're going to continue to work towards. So, um, so kind of the other big thing that CKXU does uh, around this city, I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of the assumptions that are made about CKXU right off the bat are that we're, you know, a primarily music-driven type of radio. And uh, these radio uh, shows that we were kind of giving you excerpts from are kind of a good example of how uh, we really do run the gamut of, of programming. Um, but music is very important to us. Music culture around the city is very important to us. Uh, we think that it's uh, music, art, those things are um, extremely important for a community to uh, develop and uh, really bring color to the um, to the cultural input and what what constitutes a community uh, community what uh, really lends to the moral fibers um, and is like an access point for uh, for all people right so musicians uh, artists alike uh, people who are 
really involved in advocacy around the city. Uh, that's what CKXU does. So um, I'd like to, uh, so we're kind of playing the example game here. So we're going to uh, kind of show you some examples of the ways that we um, are involved and help develop uh, culture for, C for uh, the city of Lethbridge. Uh, some of the things that we've done in the last five years uh, we think are really worth highlighting. Uh, one is, I'm going to start with um, our kind of banner event that we do every single year. Um, it's called Love and Records. We're going into our fifth year, and uh, we have a really amazing time doing this. We have a committee that plans all year for this event. It happens in the second weekend of September. Um, and, you know, the way we uh, have kind of spun it, spun it over the last uh, few uh, years here is, the, is this... Um, you know, this resurgence of, of vinyl culture, of, of music, of experiencing music uh, from a very almost tactile kind of standpoint. Um, so we're just going to play an excerpt from, a, from, we're actually expanding out of the realm of just audio and kind of moving into, into video as an expression as well. So we've been uh, creating videos for the last few years uh, to better uh, kind of describe, showcase uh, music culture in its many forms, um, and this is kind of one example of that, so we'll just kind of cut to that here. Sorry, I should just say, preempt this, we asked these folks a question, what was it, why is... Why is vinyl important? Yeah. Uh, what, is, what, is, what is the point of, of vinyl? Why is vinyl uh, more substantial than other forms of music, like a uh, digital file, for example? Because they, well, myself, I think they sound better. Um, so there is that warmth that uh, that a CD or a digital file just doesn't. I think it's. Um, for one, like the easiest answer on that is some record sound better. I, I would be lying if I romanticized about the sound. I'm kind of deaf. Because of the physical way you listen to a record. I find the things that are on records aren't anywhere else. Vinyl has always sounded better, sounds cleaner. But the physical record itself, to me, transcended just a piece of plastic that I could listen to, it became a piece of art in and of itself. So, so I mean, just kind of a simple question uh, generates kind of, kind of a buzz and, uh, and gets people thinking about why they actually like things like vinyl. Why, why do you like music? What's, the, what's that, like, one, uh, you know focus of music that really like kind of makes you makes you really excited so it's kind of just an example of that uh, we also have done uh, some pretty interesting things with um, uh, groups who kind of this is from the Pecani nation uh, powwow correct yeah so we spent some time uh, in Brockett uh, during their powwow we actually uh, recorded and uh, did live sound uh, during the powwow which was a really exciting thing for us to experience a really felt like we were starting to contribute to culture. It was kind of one of those catalysts that we were like, wow, we are doing something really interesting around here. So we'll just show you kind of a quick excerpt of, uh, of that, uh, some of the recordings that we, we drew from that. 
example um i think we probably pulled about 48 hours <laughs> of audio out of that one experience it was really really amazing um so uh yeah you're kind of getting an idea of the types of things that we do uh for the city of lethbridge we also run uh we do our best to coordinate with a lot of uh, local businesses around town we have a friends of ckxu program in place which is designed to uh stimulate buzz around local business so that people are putting into their local economy rather than, you know, dumping it off in the peripheral big box stores. Um, so we provide uh, contra advertising for local businesses who are enrolled in the program. It's an excellent way to uh, make friends in the community and, uh, you know, make sure that those voices of the businesses who wouldn't necessarily be able to afford advertising on some of the larger networks uh, can be represented as well. Uh, how are we doing here? Getting close. Um, about two minutes. Sure. Uh, you were ahead. talking about vinyl, and the last thing I wanted to mention, we haven't really gotten into, we'll have to do this in the Q&A, we haven't really talked about like social media or fundraising, but all of our funding is grassroots. It's all donations. It's in the form of a student levy, donations, those relationships we have with businesses, our fundraising events, all those types of things. Uh, but I did want to mention, back to the kind of buzz around vinyl, is we have a really exciting partnership happening with the Lethbridge Public Library right now, where we have this, you know, back to 1972 collection of vinyl records, and we've been able to house a portion so far of our vinyl collection at the LPL, at, at the public library. And the public library has set up listening stations uh, and invested in that so that you can go listen to some of CKXU's library. And uh, we're hoping to even expand that a little bit and maybe start a radio show where you can listen to a record and in request to have it played on air, like at a certain time of the week. And we're still developing uh, that relationship, but that's just another exciting thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. Overall, we're uh, feeling pretty good about our relationship with the community. We're going to continue to develop it. So I uh, wanted to say thank you very quickly uh, for having us and can't wait for the question and answer period where you can really get under our skin. So. Thank you.